Hello and welcome to Emoji Rap, a podcast about all things emoji. I'm your host, Jeremy Burge, and at the top of this episode here, I just want to take a moment to point out a few things that are happening this World Emoji Day. Firstly, if you're in Turin in Italy, there's an exhibition at the National Museum for Cinema, which is launching on July 17. That's tomorrow, if you're listening to this when it first comes out. Uh, Entries only one euro, discounted specially for World Emoji Day. And this exhibition, it covers a whole bunch of stuff to do with cinema and the the appearance of mood and, and facial expression in cinema and how that sort of links into Emoji Today. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it's the first exhibition that actually has the original SoftBank 1997 emoji set on display. Uh, plenty of other places have sort of talked about Docomo's 1999 emoji set, but often the this earlier set is overlooked. So I had a brief look at that uh, before it opened up and it looked great. So if you're in Turin, Italy or somewhere nearby, then I'd recommend go in, have a look. It's on for months, it's on until January, but the special uh, one euro entry is only for World Emoji Day. Also, tomorrow in London, tomorrow I say that's July 17 as I speak, uh, there will be an event at the British Library. That's with me talking to Unicode President Mark Davis. There's a few tickets still left and there'll be a chance for question and answer afterwards. So if you want to ask me or Mark Davis anything, or you just want to hear a bit about Unicode or emoji stuff, uh, pop on down to the British Library, get your tickets online first. I'll chuck a link in the show notes. Uh, this episode, I have not one, but two great guests. Uh, in the second half, I have podcaster Casey Liss, who's on to talk about Apple's new emoji preview that's just come out. But before that, I'll be having a chat with linguist, author, and excellent tweeter, Gretchen McCulloch. Gretchen, hello, welcome, and uh, happy World Emoji Day to you. Happy World Emoji Day. This is a holiday you made up. (laughs) (laughs) It is a holiday I made up, and uh, I guess I didn't tell you, we're recording this just a bit before World Emoji Day. We don't really need to keep the illusion up, but I think this will be, when people are listening to this, if they're keen beans, they'll be on it, maybe July 16, July 17. So I think it's only fair that we wish everybody a happy World Emoji Day. That sounds good. Happy World Emoji Day from Jeremy and me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I've been looking forward to having you on the show uh, because we do bump into each other on occasion. Uh, We sort of... We have, yes. We we work in in similar circles. Yeah. Both have the kinds of jobs that are hard to explain to our parents. Hmm. Yes, that is true. Uh, I can't remember. I get described in odd ways on the internet sometimes when they want to, (laughs) you know, people want to describe your job and they kind of, they do it in fun and amusing ways that normally, I I like them. Other people are insulted on my behalf, but I think they're funny. (laughs) Um, We saw each other last year uh, almost exactly this time at uh, Emojiland, the musical. Yes, we did. We went to a musical in New York, which was all about emoji, and it was it was very good, actually. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I ended up enjoying it quite a lot. I don't think I knew you were going. I think it was a, a fun surprise for me finding you <laughs> in, the, yeah, in the foyer. I don't think I knew you were going to be there either. I think I just saw, oh, it's about emoji. I happened to be in New York City for uh, EmojiCon, the second EmojiCon, and yes. I found out about this musical at EmojiCon because they had a song there from it. And I thought, well, I'm going to be here in two days when it opens. Maybe I can get in. Get onto it. Um, last time we spoke on the internet, which is how we mostly speak, because that's what we do, um, it was via Twitter DM, and you were about to finish a book that you were writing, were writing at the time, uh, called uh, Because Internet. Well, details in the show notes, and we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, nonetheless, you were about to finish your book, and I think it was when we'd just published a correction where we'd said all along the first emoji set... Uh, it was the Docomo set, and you know, it was sort of the same thing that everybody had said, and then you got in touch to be like, hang on a minute, are you taking that back? Because I'm about to publish a book about emoji. Did you get the, did that, did the corrections make it yeah, in? Yeah, I, I did get that correction in the book. I had to fight for it. I had to say, like, look, we need to adjust this. 
<laughs> because I know that emoji fans are going to be potentially reading this book, and people want to have the most accurate information about emoji, and if you'd published it this year, I would have just had no way of getting into the book, but we had just enough time that I was able to say, look, you need to change every mention of Dokomo to SoftBank, and every mention of 1999 <laughs> to 1997. <laughs> Not every mention of 1999, but like those particular references. Fortunately, it was about the same length. <laughs> <laughs> because if we'd had to do anything that would have adjusted the pagination, I don't think they would have let me do it. Ah, oh, what a pain. Books of physical media. How do you how do you deal? It's really weird writing a book, a book about the internet. The yeah. internet. <laughs> Because you have all these moving pieces on the internet, and I've gotten so used to, before I wrote this book, I got so used to writing with hyperlinks, where you can just, you know, write something along and be like, oh, this word, maybe not everyone's going to know it, or not going to know this context, not going to know this cultural reference, I can just link it to something, and then if people want that, they can find it, but I don't have to bore people who already had it. And yet in the book, like, I can't do, I can't do hyperlinks, how do you write? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Those for were me, my yeah. big challenges when I was getting started with it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. A, I think I'd find the most frustrating thing the corrections that I love. You put something up, you try your hardest, you try and get it right, but if it's a bit wrong, you just go and fix it, and you say, "Sorry, everybody, I fixed it now," and it's fine. But you can't do that in the book. Yeah, and I mean, I do have, I did have a fantastic editor and other editorial teams and people reading the book before it came out. So hopefully, everything in it is accurate. But who knows, right? <laughs> Um, so, so this book, it's not just about emoji, it's called Because Internet. I haven't read it yet. Where's my copy? Um, they were going to send you a copy? Uh, they probably, it may, maybe it did. I'm actually bad at physical mail. Maybe somebody did actually. I, I take that back. But nonetheless, <laughs> I will read it because I am interested. But it's not just about emoji. It's about all kinds of internet, what do you, what do you call it? Internet speech? Uh, yeah, internet linguistics. So there's one chapter about emoji and emoticons and GIFs and what I call, you know, other sorts of digital gestures. Um, mm. And all of these ways that we kind of restore the body to our online communication. But there are other chapters about things like how we use punctuation, memes, uh, different generational divides in internet speak, uh, and various other topics related to internet conversations and things like that. When you got to the emoji section, how did you... So here's one tricky thing, that people, in when they talk about, oh, my favorite emoji is this, or they talk about an emoji like it's one thing, but it looks different on every platform, you're publishing a book, you have to pick one. How do you mm -hmm. pick, and what, and what did you pick? So I picked the Twitter Twemoji set, and I was pretty clear... From very early on, I had decided this is what I was going to do. And fortunately, my publisher just asked me, like, which set of emoji do you want to use? And I said Twemoji for a couple reasons. So one is picking Twemoji means you don't have to take a stance on, like, Apple versus Android, which is a big divide that people have. You can pick something that both people can have available on their devices. Mm -hmm. um, and also it's an open source font. So I couldn't have used Apple's, I think, even if I'd wanted to. You would have had to get, like, font licensing permissions from them. And they're really... They're really reluctant to give those out. <laughs> to people. Yes, and, um, and th th they're tricky as well, right? The people recognize Apple's emoji set a lot, but it's complicated. They don't tend to license it, so it's it's up to you to decide: is this fair use, or are we? What are we doing here? And maybe it's just too complicated to to print, just in case. Yeah, and a bigger, more pressing, practical issue was one of the things I really liked about the Twemoji is first of all they're flat. The design is flat, it doesn't have a lot of gradients, and both the Apple set and the Google set and even like the Samsung set, which we never would have used, uh, mm. because that's <laughs> good, good, that's a bit of a deep cut. <laughs> Samsung makes some weird decisions with what their emoji look like. They're fine, they're cute, yeah. You can't use them as your canonical set. You can't say, no, you know what, Samsung, they're good enough, they're, they're pretty much what everybody recognizes. No, no. Um, so Twemoji is flat because the emoji in the paperback book are going to be grayscale. Because they oh, have to be. Because oh it's no. not like a glossy magazine book. No. <laughs> no so, color. <laughs> right. So I had to pick something that would display okay in grayscale. And flat design really argued very strongly for being much better at grayscale than trying to do some sort of gradient. Uh, that was a big factor. The other thing is Twemoji are the most compromisey of the emoji sets. Most what do you of mean the... by compromisey? So most of the other emoji sets have some sort of distinct sense of their own aesthetic. 
Like, Apple tries to be its own thing. Google tries to be its own thing. And they have a bit more, like, personality to the specific emoji sets. Whereas Twimoji just says, we've looked at what everyone else is doing, and we're just going to try to give you some sort of, like, neutral average thing that will be comprehensible by everybody. Yeah, that seems fair. I think that's a reasonable expectation of it. Yeah, as a as a relatively neutral generic emoji set, I wanted to say I want the compromise one. I want the compatibility one. I don't want the voicey one, which again is why I couldn't have never have done Samsung. Did you have the gun emoji in there pre or post Twitter changing it? Everybody now has the water pistol. Did, was the, did that come up or is that sort of on the on the fringes? I didn't end up discussing the gun emoji that much just because there are so many other examples to draw on and i was worried about this compatibility issue so i said you know what one way of solving this is just not talk about the gun emoji skip next (laughs) (laughs) uh but one thing one interesting thing that did happen is so i you know picked this emoji font but my publisher then typeset it um by going in and making little image files of all of the twemoji characters oh no poor publisher (laughs) because (laughs) i know i feel really bad for whatever graphic designer typesetter person had to go through and make all these little screen caps um but it was explained to me that i don't know if it's indesign or some other adobe product that people use to like set out the layouts for books really doesn't have good emoji support even in 2019 and they had to make sure that because there was a period in the copy editing so there's this point in the book where i talk about the birthday cake with candles emoji and one of the people that was editing it commented being like but the birthday cake, as I see it right here, only has one candle. And <laughs> somebody else commented, like, I don't know what you're talking about. The birthday cake clearly has three candles. And I was like, all right, let me tell you what brands of devices you're using to edit this art, <laughs> to edit this paper. Oh, no. <laughs> because the first one was like a Microsoft person and the second one was like an Apple person. And I, you know, literally looked up the birthday cake emoji on Emojipedia and was like, yep, here's our Microsoft person. Here's our Apple person. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, this, I feel like this plays out uh, being tagged in the emoji scene quite a lot. I feel like you get this happen so often where people have an opinion on an emoji, but they just mean their version, the Apple version or whatever. And they go in hard and it takes about 10 tweets for someone to, for everybody to know what you're all talking about because people are going into bat for their emoji, referring to it as if everybody sees the same thing. And it's, it's a mess. It's really the modern day version of like the philosophical conundrum of like, is the red that you see the same as the red that I see? Yes. Philosophers may never have an answer, (laughs) but we do know if the birthday cake emoji that I see is the birthday cake emoji that you see. Right. I think there's way more emoji literacy now. I do feel like it doesn't take as long as it used to for someone to butt in and go, all right, everybody, you're all on different devices. But there were a few years there where no one had any idea and everybody would be just saying, no, it is red or, or your candles. There is one, there is four, and it'll be treating each other like absolute idiots as if you can't count yeah. the candles on the cake. Yeah, I think it has gotten better. But I think even though it was kind of ridiculous to save all these emoji as image files, that is the best way of making sure that exactly which emoji I'm seeing on, like, the proof version is also the emoji that's going to go to the printer, because, like, what if they're on different devices, right? Mm, Yes, and uh, that's a big (laughs) thing when you do a uh, presentation. I know people doing presentations always have this issue. They do it on a Mac, they go there, there's a PC or just something, and everything is ruined. People love to use an emoji in a presentation, and I think the only good way to do it, these apps should let you bake it in. They should have a They should let you embed the font, yeah. Yeah, they should. I mean, Google Slides has finally fixed their emoji rendering bug after many years of complaints by people, myself included, where you used to like the preview version of the slides would display one set of emoji. And then when you clicked present, it would render with a different set of emoji, even though you didn't export it or anything. It was really bad. Yeah, these things. They they make sense when you understand the technical reasons and the text rendering, but no one cares. You just want to type the thing and see the thing. The worst emoji rendering experience that I ever had was writing a paper for actually a conference about emoji. And they Mm. gave us this LaTeX template to generate blah, blah, blah. And we were like, great. So your conference on emoji, what provision have you made for us to display the emoji in this LaTeX template? And they were like, we've found a solution for you. It is, you're going to save each image of the emoji as a tiny, tiny PDF. (laughs) And then embed that tiny, tiny PDF in your large PDF, which is your document. And we were like, you're kidding us. They're like, nope, this is what you're going to do. This is our like high tech solution. 
So I guess you took every emoji out of your presentation after that, because I don't have the time to be doing that. I made my co-author do it. Yeah, nobody has time for that. Who has time? Everyone needs a co-author in their life, if that's what's going to go on. <laughs> my co-author's fantastic and should get more credit. But she actually, you know, has an academic job and has an incentive to have an academic publication. I was like, if we're going to do this, you're going to do it. <sighs> what a fuss. What a fuss. This is, is this the, the I have a, a, an article that I wanted to talk about, which is in, uh, it's in the conversation just in the last few weeks now. And it's about a paper that you wrote. Is this the paper you're referring to? Uh, it's the precursor to that paper, which came out mm. last year, but this is the expanded and revised version. So same co-author, Lauren Gaughan, who's an Australian linguist, uh, and also my co-host on my podcast, Lingthusiasm. And she's a gesture specialist uh, in linguistics. And so we wrote a paper about emoji as digital gesture and what we can learn about both how gesture works and how emoji works when we compare the two to each other. Can I say uh, one, th one, one thing I liked is that you are introduced uh, in, as the author. Uh, Lauren is there, Latrobe University and Lingthusiasm. You, no university needed, just here I am. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should legitimize non-academic affiliations. You know, like if I worked for, I don't know, Google or Microsoft or something, I would put that company as my affiliation, right? So I work for my podcast. My podcast, you know, some very kind people support us on Patreon, which helped fund me going to a conference to present an early version of this paper. And therefore, the podcast is my affiliation uh, for this article. I love it. I think it's great. I want to see more of that sort of thing. I want to see more academic papers with podcasts under people's titles. <laughs> I, I support, you know, the, the podcast <laughs> academia. And uh, tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Here's my summary reading uh, both the, the article that we've linked in the show notes about your paper and then the actual paper itself. Uh, the premise is, it's, it's right up the top, emoji are just like, instead of having gestures in real life, body language, that sort of thing, that's the closest thing we have in the digital space. Have I got that correct or have I kind of missed something? Yeah, yeah. I think, that, I think that's a really good summary. And the thing that I like about this analogy is that we know intuitively it's really obvious that emoji have some sort of important role in communication. And yes. yet a lot of people, when they think, okay, communication, they rush right to language. And not everything that's communication is linguistic. Uh, and so you get these kind of panicked, moralizing tales about like, oh, are emoji going to replace language or something? Well, clearly they're not. We've had years to do this now and clearly they're not. But they do have some sort of a role in communication. And the thing about gesture and the thing about emoji is that they're often used side by side with the words that you're saying at the same time or directly after them. And they can provide additional context. You know, if you say to someone, good job with a thumbs up, that's going to be different from saying good job with like the middle finger. Peach emoji. <laughs> Peach emoji. That's a good <laughs> job, something very specific. <laughs> so... They can provide a different context for the ways things are being interpreted, um, but they're still it's still useful to have words to go along with them. It's not that they're replacing words, it's that they're they're adding in this additional layer of how how something can be interpreted. That does seem to be the the big the key takeaway that people I say people it's easier to put it in a box and say emoji they're just like words we just replace words with them, but no no one really does unless we're really just sort of trying to have fun. I don't know that, that many people that are replacing their words with emoji to be yeah, like, helpful. Share does it sometimes. Yes. But I don't know if I really consider share like a representative of like what kids these days are doing. I feel like she does it as art as well. I, I consider it art when she does it. I <laughs> yeah. don't consider it a communication. It's kind of performance style. art at this point. Yeah. yeah. And and there are sometimes people will will do a whole thing in emoji, they'll you know, retell the story of a movie or something. But to me, that's like playing charades, which is also gestural. You know, it's a, it's a guessing game. And people are doing it in a playful sort of way. It's not replacing like, oh, I'm not going to go see any movies anymore because I could just have the story told to them in 20 emoji. No one's actually doing that part. Can it be punctuation and gestures at the same time? I mean, I feel like that's a, people often consider it sort of like punctuation. I know I don't use half as many exclamation marks if I'm going to bang some emojis in there. Yeah, I think, I think punctuation and emoji are part of a similar sort of emotional ecosystem or system for talking about the intentions behind the words that we say. A lot of punctuation marks, and this is something that I go into quite a bit of detail in in the book, so I won't uh, do it all here, but a lot of punctuation marks actually seem to correlate fairly directly with specific uh, vocal inflections or tones of voice or pitches or intonations, things like all caps is shouting or a question mark can indicate a rising intonation, even if you're not actually asking a question. 
or the lack of a, a question mark when it is a question can indicate that it's kind of a deadpan or sarcastic or rhetorical question. So there are some very specific correlations between tones of voice and uh, and punctuation marks, and there are some very specific correlations between emoji and specific gestures. And so at the moment I'm really saying, what if we consider these two types of the same thing? Although of course in speech, our gestures and our tones of voice can work together to produce a certain sort of effect. So we're just banging in as many things as we can into text to try and replace face-to-face uh, -face communication. Well, I think it makes text richer, right? Because one of the things that pe very early internet people complained about was no one can tell if you're being sarcastic on the internet because it's hard to tell that in text. And I think people can tell now if you're being sarcastic in text because you have these tools like the, you know, thinking face emoji or the, you know, asking a question without a question mark. And together these can lead to, okay, this is an interpretation that this is sarcastic or this is ironic or this is not being serious. And that's that enriches the communication space. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I do love that because there's nothing more fun. If you hang out online a lot, you, you don't want to be authentic all the time. Sometimes you're just having fun, but you also don't want the message to be lost, you know, and I, I like I like monocle guy. Well, you can be more authentic by having fun, you know. We don't want to talk like a newspaper all the time. Like, no one, even people on the radio don't go home and, like, talk to their dog like they're a newscaster. <laughs> Why should we yeah. talk like a newspaper when we're talking to our friends? Um, do you have a go-to sarcasm, Mark, or are you pretty happy to use anything that's available? Or is sarcasm not really your thing? I have a whole range, because I think it really depends on what you're trying to communicate, you know? Um, like, sometimes I love an, an old-school, like, you know, giving something initial capitals when it, they aren't merited to indicate that you're kind of, you know, giving it a pseudo-importance, uh, which yes. I'm a big fan of. Um, the, you know, minimalist punctuation of just, like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to use any periods. I'm not going to use any punctuation marks. I'm not going to capitalize anything. That can be really wry. I really love the, you know, dropping the question mark. I think that's really fun. Um, and then the thinking face just, it does a lot of work. It's really good. You might, not to, not to jump around too much in our topics, but it's all one topic. But um, is there, you mentioned before a sort of generational difference. Is that something that you're, are there studies on this? Have you looked into it? Is there, it feels like these are some of the things you cannot use with, people who are above a certain age. And I don't know what that age is, but it feels like if you were to use that sort of dropping the question mark at the end, the all caps, does that translate well to all ages? And is there any is there any information on that? I think there is a generation gap. I don't think it's necessarily exactly chronological age. I think it also has to do with what kind of places you hang out on the internet, what your internet history is, and what your attitude towards the internet and internet people are. Because especially on the margins, like, you know, pretty much everybody who's like a teenager does understand this and pretty much everybody who's like a retired person probably does not. But in the murky middle ground between the two, which is a huge area, there are some people who are like, yeah, I've been on the Internet since back in the day. Of course, I understand how to, how to do this type of stuff. And some people who are like, look, I just use the Internet to like book plane tickets and look up the weather and I don't try to communicate sarcasm or you know, rhetorical questions or anything that subtle, like that's what phone calls are for. So I think it's really about when you're writing on the internet, are you writing with an online authority, an offline authority in your mind? Like, I've got to write this way so my English teacher would have been proud of me. Or <laughs> <laughs> are you writing with a to, towards the attitude and the feelings of the other person at the other end of the text message? And if you're writing with consideration of that other person's attitude and feelings and the, your effect on them as primary, you're going to do all of this stuff to try to signal your tone of voice, to try to signal your gestures, to try to signal your intentions. If you're writing for an authority, you're not thinking about intentions or, you know, tone of voice or feelings. You're thinking about, like, here's this one standard that I need to adhere to for kind of arbitrary reasons, because there's not, you know, no one's going with a red pen on your text messages, but you're you're writing towards that standard, and so you, it takes up space uh, that you could be thinking about the, the person at the other end of the line. Well, my English teacher would never be proud of me, because I used to make up quotes in everything I'd submit, but, uh, but, not the, <laughs> so, but thankfully she doesn't follow me online. My English teacher should be proud of me. I've written a book, right? Like that, that, that should be the holy grail of, of things your English teacher is proud of you for. Uh, but I think this is, 
you know, we have multiple styles when it comes to speaking. You know, the newscasters don't talk like this to their dogs. And I think we can have multiple styles when it comes to writing as well. You know, if I'm going to write an op-ed for a newspaper, I'm going to write that differently than if I'm writing a text message to my friend. I would love to see uh, a comparison of how people write on Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter to see, you know, do they do they write differently? or And is that is that based on the platform or just the audience or both? Or is it too hard to tell? I don't know of a study on that. What I do know of is, is a study on the differences between how people write uh, in tweets with hashtags versus tweets with at mentions. Hmm. What's the difference? And so they, they, they excluded tweets that have both because that kind of confounds it. Um, and the idea is if your tweet is a reply to someone else, they found that people write more casually. So they do more creative respellings. They use more emoji, emoticons, you know, repeated letters, like this kind of all of this kind of stuff bit of yo gretchen i love this lol and (laughs) exactly this kind of thing like omg i can't believe you just did that yeah uh emoji or whatever uh whereas when people write with hashtags they seem to write more formally so they use more standard capitalization and punctuation they use less emoji less emoticons less uh any of this kind of stuff um you know, probably more gifts and replies. Like, so all of these emotive things people tend to do more when they're replying to each other and having a conversation on Twitter versus when you're writing for a hashtag, you're kind of broadcasting stuff to the hashtag. You're saying, okay, other people who are also watching the Emmys right now, like, here are some things in this hashtag. I have Um, thoughts. Yeah, and you're you're addressing a broader audience. Like, people, we know that people talk differently when they're talking to just one person versus when they're talking to a whole crowd. Uh, And so this seems to be reflected in how people write in different types of tweets. Well, I I feel like this is going to be an evolving uh, movement in the coming years, but hopefully your book is sort of a, it's a piece of the now and the last, is this sort of, what do you think, is this encapsulating now what people are doing right now? Is it a history lesson in internet speak? Where do you see this fitting in? in Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. Uh, I definitely, I didn't want to be like, here's a list of the cool memes from 2018, (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, you have to finish a book pretty much in 2018 in order for it to come out in 2019. And so it's already out of date before it even like rolls off the presses. Um, And some people are like, oh, am I going to be able to look up every single emoji and find out how to use them? And I'm like, have you heard of Emojipedia? (laughs) Yeah, there's there's room for everybody here. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, have you heard of Know Your Meme? There are some websites that are doing a pretty good job of being up to date places where you can look up an exhaustive set of resources and if you actually want a book where you can sit down and read it cover to cover and not have it be effectively a dictionary you need to have more of a narrative connecting stuff and so one of the ways that i tried to make it seem less immediately out of date is also to look at some of the history and say okay if we can trace each of these things back to where they started then where they started is still going to be true even if someone's reading it five or ten years from now when the current examples are no longer super current well uh I'm going to drop a link in the the show notes for people to buy that. Before the end of our episode, I really want to get to a couple of real quick things because there's so much happening. Uh, One article that keeps coming up every few months, maybe you know why, I don't know, I haven't had the time to look up. Every few months an article comes out and then a whole bunch of them come out from sort of mainstream media, CNN, all this sort of thing, saying, you know, emojis, they're in court cases, judges don't know how to interpret them, they need experts. And I'm sure it's always true, don't get me wrong, uh, but it just seems like I don't quite understand. It feels like they just get published randomly, like someone spins a wheel and they decide to do that story again today, even though it might not be a new court case or anything. But have you seen this? Do you know why this is back in the news? I don't know. I have seen them. I every so every time a new one comes, new round of them comes up. People tag me in them, and I'm like, okay, great. And then I go look at them, and it's the same stuff that was being reported six months ago or a year ago. I think it's like someone's idea of like, here's a fun angle on emoji that no one's ever thought of before, unless you're like you and me and literally read all the emoji news. Right, and yeah, exactly. I click in, and I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Was there a major court case? And there are some. There was a Jeffrey Rush case not long ago. There's a few of them sort of that come up, but they. They don't come up that frequently, but the articles sort of write them as if it's an onslaught or, or there was a big new case, but I don't know. So we don't know why it's in the news. It just is. I got contacted by a lawyer just a month or two ago saying like, hey, we're looking for an emoji expert witness for this trial. And I was like, finally, my, my day in the sun will come. But it turned out the, the court date was scheduled for literally the day my book comes out, July 23rd. That would be perfect. <laughs> you should do it. So I had to write back and be like, look, I'm sorry, that's like the one day in 2019 that I really cannot do. Your Honor, if you'd like me to sign a copy of my book while I'm up here on the stand, uh, I'd be more than happy to. 
<laughs> pretty much, right? Like, <laughs> like as the what? What is your claim to authority? Well, I wrote this book, which just literally came out today. I'm handing out copies in the lobby afterwards. It's I'm not handing them out. You have to buy them. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. available at all good booksellers, also in audiobook form. <laughs> you know. <sighs> Uh, the police contacted me once. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast. They just sort of got emailed me out of the blue. I don't know how the police got my email addresses. It's not a secret, <laughs> but it's not super out there. But somehow I got an email from the police at a, a unspecified police force, basically going, "Hi, Jeremy. We know that you you know you're an expert and you're into a, emojis. Can you help us translate this message?" And it looked like an intercepted. Uh, like WhatsApp, or a, I couldn't even tell what the Messenger app was. It maybe a Twitter DM, and I was oh. like, "Oh, where have you got this from?" But it was like a faxed, photocopied, you know, three <laughs> times through the ringer. I could barely even make out what they were, let alone interpret anything for them. But I thought, how bizarre is this? That's so weird. I mean, I guess it's better than the inverse, which is they don't ask an expert, and they're like, "Yeah, I guess this person must be texting about eggplant parmesan." Like that sounds fine. <laughs> I mean, in the end, it was it was pretty self-evident. It had some swords in there, and it had some, you know, it was sort of a, a violent-looking message, but I don't think there was a hidden undertone of, oh, no, this specifically means meet me on Monday at this time and place. I think that's what they were hoping for. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's really saying meet me on Monday in this time and place in Mochi, because I'm, again, not quite sure how you say that, which is one of the reasons why I don't think they're a language. None of the gang is going to show up. <laughs> they they all get this emoji message and they're like, oh, that's cute. And then nobody's there at the time and the place. <laughs> and then just like one guy's waiting there being like, I told them. It's so clear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no good. So that that's my, my involvement. I also once got asked to be an expert witness and also that didn't pan out because... I don't know. I think I think they didn't like my preamble on my pre-assessment that their client might not be innocent of saying something, <laughs> uh, saying something they shouldn't, and putting some kind of emoji at the end, like just jokes. Yeah, I mean, because this is the thing: is like, if if I'm ever going to be an expert witness at trial, I'm going to try to give the most accurate interpretation. I'm not here for, to like shill for a particular defendant or something. Like, no, I'm yeah, just going to try I, to say what I think is accurate. So, yeah, I, I think that's what they do. They give you a bit of, hey, so you're an expert. What do you think about this? Oh yeah, no, we don't need you. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an expert. We like, yeah. We're going to call Gretchen now. See if she thinks that makes that means that you're very very not serious about this crime. <laughs> We need to have like a group chat to compare like the, you know, five emoji experts be like, okay, what do we think? Are we getting, <laughs> and, like, is this guy guilty? So anyway, Gretchen, thank you for coming on the show. This has flown by. Um, how are people going to find you? They want to find you. I'm going to, I've already linked to your book. It's because internet it's available July 23, which is, I believe next week, if we release this at the correct time, but where else, if they want to hear more of your thoughts on everything, where are they going to find you? I'm on Twitter at Gretchen A. McSee if you want to hear assorted thoughts at unpredictable intervals. Um, if you want a more structured way of, of hearing from me, I also have a podcast at Lingthusiasm. So if you search for Lingthusiasm, that's uh, a podcast that's enthusiastic about linguistics uh, in any of your podcast apps or lingthusiasm.com. You can listen to me there. Or if you want more examples of my writing or various other things, my website is GretchenMcCulloch.com. Gretchen coming to a witness stand near you whenever, whenever she's next in town. Thank you, Gretchen. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy here again. Before I get to our next guest, yes, that's right, two guests this episode, I would like to tell you a bit about our sponsor, website.ws. So you might have noticed before now some emoji domains in the wild. You might have seen them on advertising, billboards, on the web, uh, and wondered, how do these work? Because you can't register them on a .com or a .net. They just, they just don't work. They're not supported. Uh, but there is one of these domain registries that does let you register an emoji domain. And it's the WS registry. So how this works is that you might not know, but um, uh, domain names, they don't let you just put in any old Unicode character. Have you ever noticed how there's no umlauts? or accents or other crazy characters in the domain names, that's because they need to be plain old ASCII, just your, your standard Latin character set. But there's a workaround. There's something called Punicode, sort of a play on Unicode, 
and that converts emojis into a different sort of a, a string, a text string that lets you register it as a domain name. Now, all modern web browsers, they support emoji, mobile phones all support it, and emoji domains work on all platforms. So if you type uh, mindblownemoji.ws, that can point to any website or any domain name, give you a bit of attention because they kind of look pretty catchy out there in the wild. So what I want you to do is to ask your favorite registrar if they support emoji domains. No matter what language you speak, an emoji domain can work for you. And for World Emoji Day only, website.ws is offering an emoji domain name for just 99 cents. You can redeem this offer at the special URL worldemojiday.ws. That's worldemojiday.ws. So thanks again to website.ws for sponsoring Emoji Wrap and celebrating World Emoji Day. Now, on with the show. We next up have Casey Liss here to talk about Apple's latest emoji preview. Hey, Casey. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. This is a, an honor. I am excited. I like to self-describe as an, an emoji aficionado, but I am in the presence of greatness now, so hopefully I can keep up. I am, I am excited to be part of the show. Thank you for having me. I think, I think people consider you like an emoji kind of guy. I don't know. <laughs> why, why do you have that? that? That's the impression I have, but I don't know. I don't know whether I see you use them a thousand times over, but yeah, why, why, do, why do you have that reputation? I don't know. I think I was not that early on in, in embracing emoji. Uh, at first, I don't think I really had an opinion about it. And this was back when you know, I, I was first aware of emoji back when you needed to like download an app on the iPhone in order to enable the emoji keyboard. I'm sure you remember those days, but this was, you know, yeah, years. I remember that was, yeah. How did you find out about that? Do you remember? Did someone tell you, did you read it online? I, Cause I can't really remember myself. I don't know. I think I read it online somewhere. Somebody had like linked to something that said, Oh, Hey, check this out. If you know, you download this app and sometimes they were free. If I remember right, sometimes they were like a dollar. Sometimes they were like 50 bucks because you know, you pray on the stupid, I guess. I don't know if you're a terrible human and you can do those sorts of things. But anyways, but yeah, so then when the emoji keyboard was officially embraced in whatever version of iOS that was forever ago, uh, you know, I immediately, quote unquote, installed it, I guess, enabled it is a better way to phrase it. And uh, and I just started using them when I could. And, and, and it became, I don't know, I think it's somewhat of a fun challenge to try to express yourself in only pictures and i'm not the kind that finds it interesting to read moby dick as written in emoji but i do think it's kind <laughs> of fun to put together like uh, of course all the 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 examples i'm thinking of are kind of like expletives but like uh cow manure for example which obviously there's a uh, more forceful version of that phrasing you know can i put together a cow and a smiling pile of poop and will the person on the other end know what I'm trying to say and I, I, I find that amusing and fun and also I just think it's nice to be able to take something that's treated as text in so many ways but is way more expressive and kind of sprinkle that throughout what you're saying and, and it to some degree it gives you tone in a way that just straight text doesn't, you know what I mean? And I think that's why I enjoy it so darn much. And I've been, uh, I've been singing the praises of emoji in general for years. And of course of Emojipedia, which is the internet's premier resource for emoji related information. Uh, thank you. The checks in the mail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you were one of our, I think you were very early on in the Emojipedia history because when Emojipedia started, we didn't have many users or Twitter followers or anything. So, you know, I was kind of, you noticed when people used the site and I think, <laughs> I think you were there pretty early days. I seem to recall you being one of the emoji, at least following on social media anyway, since at least 2014. I don't know. It feels like you've been one of the one of the followers forever. I think so, and and it doesn't feel like forever to me, my friend. It feels like but a moment. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I I love emoji. I mean, I'm, I don't want this to turn into a mutual admiration podcast, but uh, I have always loved emo Emojipedia, and I think your work that you've done there has been really tremendous. And what's funny about it is, is that I think. At first, Emojipedia was, or my impression of it was that it was slightly, not really tongue in cheek, but kind of like a, not not a gag. Like, I don't mean to take away from the work that you did, but it was not nearly as serious as it is today. And I think that what's been really cool for me to watch 
both as a as a random person on the internet then over time as your friend it's been cool to be able to see you get ever more serious about it and like some of the historical stuff that you've done i think is incredibly impressive and must have been extraordinarily difficult and so i think what has happened over the last you know 5 years or what have you is that emojipedia has gone from kind of a, uh, again, I don't, I don't mean, like gag is the word that keeps coming up, but I don't mean that to take away from what you've done, but it was not, I don't think it had the air of seriousness that it does today. And I, and I think that's really awesome that you've taken something that was kind of fun and quirky, and it's still fun and quirky, but it's also got a whole lot of depth to it that it didn't have early on. And, and, I've, and I remain extremely impressed by that. Yeah, you were definitely around when any longtime users of the site, it was always... It was meant to be factual, but it, it didn't take itself right. as seriously. It sort of had exactly. little jokes in there and things. And there's still a few. It's still a bit of a wink and nudge here and there because it is, you know, we're talking about emoji here. We're talking about something fun, but definitely about a year and a half in when it seemed like, I think it was when I noticed that schools were starting to put it into their, <laughs> into their projects and that I, I'd start getting... Um, messages from kids and things sort of being like oh it's our homework this week to research this emoji on emojipedia and i was just like well you've got to pick right you've got to be if you're going to be a reference site yes you can have a bit of fun with it but you need to kind of back it up with some facts and make sure mm -hmm. that it is legitimately sourced and that you are doing your best to make it a serious site or you can just keep it being a bit of fun bit of a wink nudge for your friends and for nerds who like to sort of mess around on twitter and i think i just thought that why 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 go with the the fun angle when you can actually be the genuine resource that people can trust and rely on and if you don't do that then what have you even got other than maybe a small fun website yeah. And I, again, I, I really enjoy how it's, you know, Emojipity still does have a tone and a personality, just like you said, but it's definitely swung way heavier into the reference side. But it's not Wikipedia where it's it's bland and, and kind of boring. And I mean, I love Wikipedia, don't get me wrong, but there, you don't find a lot of personality in Wikipedia, whereas you definitely see personality in, in Emojipedia. And that's what I love so much about it. I did love a few years ago, I was at a, a event in London and someone was desperate to introduce me to Jimmy Wales of Wikipedia, who was at the <laughs> event. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, and they're like, oh, Jimmy, you got to meet Jeremy Burge because he's the founder of Emojipedia and you're the founder of Wikipedia. And he's just like, the what now? The <laughs> emoji, emoji what? <laughs> Emojipedia? No idea. And they were so let down. They were so like, oh, I thought like... I thought Jimmy Wales would be a big fan of Emojipedia, but apparently not. That's all right. A man can dream. One day, Jeremy, one day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the reason I wanted to get you on, because you're a, you're a sort of known for being an Apple user, primarily. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a very popular podcast, the Accidental Tech Podcast, um, which isn't entirely... It is mostly about Apple stuff. Um, yeah. And, well, Apple, the, the news today, we're... As if you're listening to this when it comes out, the news today is that Apple has put out a preview of the emojis coming out this year. They've, they've said, look, uh, we always do an emoji update later in the year. And for the last two years now, they've done this where they use World Emoji Day as like a, the, the launching platform to say, here's the first time you're going to see any of them. Um, I have to say that this year is a little bit different, though, because... There's people would have seen and listeners of the show will know that Apple proposed last year a bunch of what they call their accessibility emoji set. It's people in wheelchairs and with walking canes. There's a guide dog. And because Apple proposed those, often the proposal images are kind of a bit a bit meh. Some of them are good. Some people put a lot of effort into them and some of them are just using sort of clip art to show what it could look like. And uh, we'd already seen it. Apple went all out. Apple doesn't want to do clip art on their proposals. So we've already seen what Apple proposed for some of these, but we've kind of got a much bigger glimpse at the set now. And Casey, you've had a look. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think? Anything jump out at you at sort of first glance? What, what do you think about this whole Apple doing a preview, then showing it off later in the year? You know, I, I really have to commend uh, Apple getting, not in front of, but but getting uh, into the public all of the stuff with regard to people that are differently abled. And, and you know, there's a whole bunch of images for deaf person, for a person with a hearing or an ear with a hearing aid, 
uh, for you know a, a probing cane, which is you know the the thing that a, a hard of sight person would use to make sure they don't bump into things. I really really like that. That's what they're concentrating on. And in this package of images that you've uh, been kind enough to share with me, there's so many different you know, versions of each of these to account for different skin tones and whatnot. And so first and foremost, I'm really pleased to see Apple kind of leading the charge with that. That being said, of the groups that, that I have had access to, far and away my favorite is the food category, which has the following five items in it. And I feel like this is kind of like a what's what that Casey would enjoy seeing in emoji going forward. We see butter, falafel, garlic, ice cube, which by the way is a square ice cube like Studio Neat Neat Ice Kit style, and mm. waffle. Now, for those of you who may have heard of the Accidental Tech Podcast, I don't know, like a year ago, we had quite the debate as to whether or not a waffle should be square or round. Should it be what Americans would call Belgian style, which is to say deep pocketed or you know, kind of more like an ego, which is like a frozen waffle here in the States. And I must say, I 100% approve of the waffle emoji. It is a circle cut into four quadrants with nice, deep Belgian-style pockets. I am giving it a chef's kiss right now. It is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the can, you tell, can you tell me the shape? You, you mentioned a while ago that you said that circle's one option. What is, what is the other option? If it's so not circle, what does it look like? You could do a square waffle where typically it's one larger square waffle with four sub-squares in it. You know, it's, it's quartered, if you will, which I, I talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, talking to someone who is from, from the Queen's Commonwealth that, that has a little bit of a heavy meaning, quartered, but you get the idea. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's quartered, and then, you know, obviously the individual pockets are themselves squares. Uh, my, my dear friend and, and co-host on ATP, John Syracuse, if I recall correctly, is in the square waffle camp. I don't recall where Marco landed, but I am 100% in the round waffle camp. I think this is the one true waffle. And so I approve of this. ATP also had some very strong criticism of the original version of the bagel emoji, which, I, as far as I recall, we are all happy with it now. And you would probably remember what the early versions looked like, but they were, oof, they were rough. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I, what happens every time there's a an emoji controversy? Let's say. Um, <laughs> well, the the thing is, it's hard to pick them, right? Because you sit back and you're me, and every day of the week, there's something. There's someone complaining about an emoji, how it looks. Uh, it should be this, it should be that, it, it should exist or it shouldn't exist. And they all kind of merge into each other. You kind of get like, oh yeah, sure, I guess the bagel could be better or whatever. But then, so we kind of don't like, we're not writing an article every time someone has a view on an emoji because we'd be here all day and it would be incredibly tedious. <laughs> but nonetheless, sometimes you see this, like someone go, hey, this new bagel, no good. And you go, okay, fair enough. There's an opinion. But then it snowballs and snowballs and then there's articles and there's podcasts and then the, the news is covering the fact that there's other articles and podcasts. And then next thing you know, it's on cable news and everybody's going, well, what do you think about the, the bagel emoji? It's outrageous. Yep. <laughs> and I never know. Is everyone, in on the, is everyone in on the act? Is everybody like, who cares about it a lot and who's just having a bit of fun because it's, it's come along and it's something to talk about? Yeah, and I think it's both, right? Because as someone who was born in New York State and spent a fair bit of my childhood there, I have very strong opinions about bagels. Most people from New York do as well. And New Yorkers, and I include myself in this, tend to be fairly outgoing slash obnoxious about these sorts of things. So I was not particularly pleased with the original bagel emoji. I am pretty happy with it now. And, I, and I, you actually covered this in October of last year you know, on blog.emojipedia.org, Apple fixes bagel emoji. So there you go. Uh, That's but, the one. Yep. <laughs> I, but, I'm, I'm amused when, when you hear from Apple PR about, about an emoji. <laughs> that, that's, that always amuses me to no end. I can imagine. So yeah, I hope sitting here now, and that's the funny thing about, about recording this ever so slightly early is that we don't know what the reaction to the waffle will be, but I hope that is as in, it is as enthusiastic as I am because I feel like this waffle is very well done. I am, I definitely approve of it. I am good to go, but there's more than just food here. There's clothing. Uh, you know, there's a, 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 is it sorry or sorry? I forgive me. I don't know the correct pronunciation. I'd call it a sorry, but okay. you know, you guys have your own way of pronouncing yeah, everything, but I, I think it's a sorry. Mm -hmm. And so we have that, we have a safety vest and we have a one piece swimsuit again, all looking good. The animals I'm looking at flamingo guide dog, which I thought was very well done. There's a little bit too much of a glint in the eye for my personal taste, but nevertheless, it's mm. well done all in all. An orangutan, a skunk, which uh, we were chatting before the show, and I feel like there should be like, you know, those little waves of like stench coming off of it just for a little added flair. Like they, does, it, does the poop emoji still have that? It did at one point. Um, but, or maybe it was on other platforms that it had the little waves of uh, stench. 
I think this skunk should have distension lines. I agree with you. I think that could be... We don't have a, a U-stink emoji yet. Yep. Uh, I also have to say, Sloth, totally adorable. Look at how adorable that little feller is. So cute. Yeah, just, just hanging in there. I don't know when I'd use it, though. It's cute, but yeah, I, I don't feel like it conveys a, a, a an emotion that I'm trying to convey. Yeah, I agree. I guess if you're just you know running a little slow in the morning... Maybe you have the, uh, what I would call the drunk emoji paired with that. It's actually, isn't, is it officially goofy? Is that the name of it? Or zany face. Um, there you go. Woozy. Woozy, I Yo. think, the, uh, is the one that's the drunk looking one. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. It is woozy. I was thinking of this. So, you know, maybe a combination of like woozy and sleepy and sloth, you know, to indicate that you're maybe dragging a little bit this morning, something like that. So, uh, so I'm going to put a link to the show notes in here. Uh, we are discussing this just before this is going to be up. But by the time you listen to this, there should be a link to somewhere on Emojipedia, which will have an outline of what all of these look like. Uh, they don't, they're not on your iOS devices yet. That's the important thing to note that. This is a preview to say, look, these are coming out later in the year. Normally that means an update sometime about a month after the major update of the year. But I did want to get to one emoji in particular. Um, I will link also to the waffle emoji, by the way. Before we move on from the waffle, Apple has... uh, Well, they've gone their own angle compared to everybody else. Have you looked at what everybody else is doing with the waffle? No, I have not. Now I need to. Let's check. Yeah, that have out. a look. Have a look. Have a look at Emojipedia because if this does turn into the next major kerfuffle, uh, let's see. Everyone else is going square. Everyone else yep. is going square. I don't know about that at all. Even even those otherwise brilliant people at Emojipedia, even they <laughs> went square on the wall. Although I do like the pat of butter. If I'm honest, I do like that touch. But yeah, Apple. Yeah, this is why I like Apple stuff. I guess it's, it has nothing to do with their software. It has nothing to do with their fancy hardware. It's all because they do a round waffle. <laughs> well, our designer Josh is quite the big John Syracuse fan, so I'm not sure. I don't, can't remember what the timeline was, whether or not this was designed before or after his thoughts. But I wonder if that <laughs> had any influence on it. Fair enough. Um, and now I have one, not quite a bone to pick, but there is an emoji that I feel like Apple's been screwing up for ever since it came out, and it's called the face with hand over mouth. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's a yawn, though, rather than anything else. Kind of, but there is this year a yawning emoji coming out, which is a real yawn, right? Uh... And it's sort of got a big open mouth. The one that Apple's had until now, everybody else displays, I think correctly, as sort of a stifled laugh. They've got happy eyes. Um, I'll send you the link to the, the page. Maybe uh, you can yes. find it quicker than mm-hmm. I can even mm-hmm. send it. But you see everybody else, they've got the happy yes. eyes. Yes. It's sort of like, it's like cheeky. I'm, I'm laughing and I'm holding my mouth. And Apple's there kind of almost yawning or gasping because the eyes are big and open. And I think, A, it's already about time they changed it anyway. But you add this yawn emoji in and this has to change. Yeah, the con like in and either of them in and of themselves, I don't think is necessarily a problem. But I agree that together they're way too similar. Plus, if you look at the com- the the other companies, the other platforms' eyes for uh, the face with the hand covering the mouth, everyone else's eyes are slits like the yawn, and then Apple's eyes in the yawn are slits, and in the not yawn are the circles. Yeah, the eye the the eye mouth hand combination is just all wrong with Apple on this. Yeah, so I'm I've always felt like they've got this one wrong. I don't want the the hand over the mouth i want that to be a laughing one and now the yawn is out maybe this will uh push them over to to fixing that one so i think the yawn is excellent but yeah we need to change this old one before we before we have two that look real similar on the keyboard yeah i agree i think there definitely needs to be a little bit of of change somewhere somehow be it the yawn, be it the face over mouth something has to give uh, and now, previous guest of the show, uh, fellow podcaster on the Relay FM network, which you are on as well, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Snell has for a long time now sort of made the the made the point, and I think a lot of people have sort of picked this up. I don't know whether this was where it originated, but the the fact that maybe Apple deliberately puts these emoji updates in in the second release of the year, the second major release of the year, to sort of drive drive ios updates when they're ready when they've kind of got rid of all the bugs of ios 13.0 or whatever it is that they sort of release an update a month later which tends to have the emoji update is that your experience do you see emoji uh updates sort of driving people to upgrade their phones 
I think now it's not quite as prevalent, in my opinion. And and I'd actually be curious to hear if you agree or disagree with me. But I feel like now we're not really getting the low-hanging fruit in new emoji. We're getting kind of more esoteric stuff like orangutan or flamingo. Like who is really dying to have a flamingo emoji? I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. I'm just saying I don't think anyone has been just waiting, you know, impatiently for a flamingo. Again, the food, I, I could I could make this argument that all that food should be there and should be there yesterday. But outside of the food category, I don't think any of this is like kind of do or die sort of emoji. Whereas years ago, even two or three years ago, it, I can't think of an example, but there were things that you were just dying to be able to have. And so I do think that is probably at least slightly calculated on Apple's part, or if not calculated, once they saw it happening, I think they were like, oh, this is good. Let's do this. <laughs> this. This works. But that yeah. being said, I don't know how much it's really driving anymore because accepting people who are, you know, differently abled. And so if you are deaf, you're darn right. You're going to want that, you know, deaf person emoji Im- immediately. But outside of something super specific like that, or if you happen to be like a falafel vendor or something, you know, (laughs) I I can't imagine that this is driving too much adoption here in 2019. But who knows? Well, I have two thoughts on that. The first is that I hear from Flamingo fans more than anybody, I think. Are you serious? (laughs) I think, yeah, you picked an interesting one there that Flamingo, I swear, has been one of the most requested emojis in the last two years. Yeah, I wonder um, why. I never would have guessed that. I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like animals do have... I feel like sometimes you get all these objects and they don't really mean much in an emoji sense, but animals, people often feel uh, an emotional connection that they sort of... Yeah, yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what the flamingo conveys. I don't know what that emotion is, but clearly some people feel like they are it. Um, I do agree with you otherwise. There's a bunch of... A lot of the, the good emoji updates, they're sort of done. Honestly, I'd be happy if an emoji update took a year off. I think Unicode could take chill out for a year and just kind of go, don't don't close the door completely because there's always going to be something you missed. You don't want to be the person to turn the lights out. But you could take a year off and kind of go, what do we really need here? Do we need every single one of these? Um, but I would say that maybe it doesn't matter because if your mates send you an emoji and you can't see it, yeah, you're going to want to know what it is, even if you don't care less, even if it is the flamingo and Casey List doesn't care less about a flamingo. If I send you one <laughs> after my message, you're going to think, well, is he mad? Is he happy? I don't know. So I just got a question mark. Yeah, exactly right. And and I think that the more often you see those, you know, question marks and, and whatnot, the more likely you are to just bite the bullet and say, all right, fine, I'll just I'll update my stupid phone. But again, I think because there's so little low hanging fruit at this point, I don't think it happens with quite the urgency that it used to, but it certainly still happens. Don't get me wrong. Hey, before you go, I had uh, two topics that have been sitting around in my uh, emoji newsletter this month. Mm. And I thought, why not? Why not give them a run? We've got a got a few minutes left in our in, in our recording here. And the first one I thought was kind of interesting was a New Zealand uh, regulator that received a complaint that the eggplant emoji was used in an ad in a suggestive way, and that it's obviously offensive to use it in this way. And that the regulator sort of came out and went, "Well, if you don't know that's what people use the eggplant for, then." You're not going to be offended by it. And if you do know, you're probably of age that it's not an issue at all. And right. I thought this was kind of funny. Do you you used to have a jobby job. Now you've got <laughs> now you're sort of living the independent lifestyle. Did you ever did you ever have to self-censor any of your emojis at work? Uh yes and no. Uh, most of the places I'd worked were fairly uh I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but th- th- they weren't the kind to get their to get worked up about this sort of a thing. Now, that being said, I did uh not my most recent regular job, but my prior one was a consulting firm, and so when you were sending any message to the client, of course, you had to like quadruple check and make sure that it was sanitized 150%. But like Slack internally within the company, yeah, kind of with almost within reason, you know, and almost anything went. That being said, I do find this article to be hilarious. And I think that the conclusion was right, if you ask me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too stodgy when it comes to these sorts of things. But I feel like the, the the assessment was right that say, you know, I have a f- almost five-year-old son. And if he saw this commercial, I don't think he would understand what was happening. And for me as a, you know, 37 year old guy, 
yeah, I totally know what they're saying, and I think it's kind of funny. So I think the conclusion was <laughs> correct. But that being said, I can understand why someone would get their feathers ruffled by it. But still, I, I, I am in support of not only the commercial, but the conclusion about it. <laughs> um, I would say I find it refreshing when I deal with, with professionals who might be my accountant or lawyer or something when they're kind of normal via email. I get, I get upset when people are too formal with me via email. Yeah. <laughs> I like it if my accountant puts a little emoji at the end or sort of talks like a normal human. And when I get sort of a very like, dear sir, please find attached the blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, yep. I've got the wrong company. I, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to be dealing with this. Yep. Totally agree. I'm the same way. I probably put emoji in way too many formal emails in, in times when I probably shouldn't. But I, I, I kind of feel like, this. hey, this is who I am. And th this is how I like to express myself. And I don't think I'm offending anyone. And if you're offended by emoji, then just like you said, Jeremy, like, then we have bigger problems because that's that's just <laughs> ridiculous. Hey, thanks for joining me, Casey. Um, this has been great. Happy World Emoji Day to you. Same to you. Uh, <laughs> this is quite a an odd busy time of the year for me that sort of you make up a holiday and then you want people to celebrate it and then suddenly your inbox fills up because everybody is celebrating it so everything <laughs> happens on the same day. So it's my own fault, but, but nonetheless, I, I appreciate you coming on it. Uh, just before World Emoji Day to discuss the new happenings in the world. You know, it is my pleasure. Anytime you want to talk about uh, square versus round waffles or any other kind of emoji goings on, you know where to find me. Well, you all keep an eye out. See if that is. I don't want to. I don't want to flame debate. I don't want to be the guy who says everybody should be mad about this. But I think I think you're right. I think that is probably the hot tip. If people are going to get upset by a new emoji, I think that might be it. Uh, <laughs> people, Casey, they can follow you. You're on your own show. You've got uh, Twitter. You've got what? Do, what do you want? Where are people going to find you if they want to hear more from Casey? Yeah. So I'm all over the place uh, on Twitter. I'm Casey Liss. C A S E Y L I S S. Uh, my website is caseylist.com. My podcast, I have the Accidental Tech Podcast with John Syracuse and Mark Warment. That's at atp.fm. And as part of Relay FM, I have a podcast with our, our friend uh, Mike Hurley. It's called Analog, and that's at relay.fm slash analog. Previous guest on the show, Mike Hurley, as well. Uh, so we're, we're ticking them all off. He's been on, on Emoji Rap once before, giving us the rundown. Um, I would like to thank, while we're here, Jonathan Nen for our theme music, which probably is playing now, Joshua Jones for the show art, and uh, I'd like to wish you a happy World Emoji Day, everybody, so you can follow the whole day, everything that's happening, at the hashtag World Emoji Day, and or visit worldemojiday.com. So you can follow me at Jeremy Burge, you can follow the show at Emoji Rap. It's all the usual places. Thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you all next time.